West Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. All of them are free. And then you will be joining the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this blue marble planet. Who do we have on the app today? The good old USA tops the uh, podcast followers today. Philippines, Nigeria, Singapore, Latvia, Australia. We got Canada and Norway, Malaysia, Malawi. I've been there a few times. Switzerland is on the board. Germany, Japan. I think that's a new one. Spain and India and Mexico and New Zealand and South Africa. And it says parts unknown. Parts unknown. Well, I appreciate you all helping us reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope this series has been helping you. We have been looking into the doorways to deception. Bum, bum, bum. Well, let's jump right into this one, into today's doorway. Ooh, such an ugly one. This one makes me want to brush my teeth. How about pride? Oh, nasty pride. So ugly. We know the Bible has so much to say about pride. I believe this one is one of the deadliest enemies that we could have. The, the simple definition of pride is this, doing it my way and not doing it God's way. That's really it, kind of in a nutshell. It's us having our own way, our own thoughts, our own desires about any particular topic that God has a say in. And really, we could kind of throw in there as a subtitle. How about submission as well? That's kind of part of not being in pride, submitting to God. Uh, but there isn't a Christian alive that doesn't have to deal with this one uh, every day in some form or fashion. Our old, ugly flesh, what it wants, what it wants, when it wants it, and it wants recognition and admiration, and we want to be looked up to by others, and we want to feel important, and you know, that's just the reality of living in the flesh, and there's a, there's an okay side to that, and of course, we know there's a prideful, um, nasty side to that that's always trying to sneak up on us a little bit, and um, pride has been called the father of sin, and we can see why Isaiah 14, 13, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Ah, the old devil. Lucifer uh, had this desire to exalt himself above God. Now, I wouldn't think that we would ever say this like he did, uh, that we're going to rule over God, but we kind of do say that when we decide to do our own thing, that I, I, I. In Ezekiel, it says that he was lifted up by his own beauty, but it was pride that that brought forth the greatest rebellion ever in the kingdom of God, and old Lucy there, uh, Lucifer found himself on the losing end of that deal, and you will too, and uh, you know, he has fallen, and uh, his fallen angels, and they were kicked out of heaven. Now, you think about this. Why would anybody disobey God? Well, it's because we think we know something better. We have some better idea. Pride is the source for all division in the body of Christ. And well, I know something. No, I know something else better. And I I want it my way. No, I want it my way. And in the end, that kind of contention and nastiness, it's really all about God's way. But man will always, he always wants what he wants. And it's a poison. 
And on the other hand, as bad as pride is, what about the flip side of this, trying to be religious about pride? So then we beat ourselves up, we put ourselves down, we talk bad about ourselves, and we become these lowly worms and act like we don't deserve anything because, you know, I'm trying to stay out of pride. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's how we try to religiously deal with pride just to be this lowly thing. And then we end up laying aside our righteousness. We end up laying aside our authority and our power and our sonship because I'm just this lowly. And well, honestly, that's a whole other type of pride. There is no greater pride than in seeking to humiliate ourselves beyond measure. And sometimes there's no greater humility than to attempt the great works for God. Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Philippians 4, 13, I, he put it first person, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't, don't allow pride to rob you of those things, right? You trying to deal with pride and squashing yourself and, and surrendering your rights. If the devil can't get you into pride, he's gonna try to push you into all the other way, the other ditch, to see yourselves as worms and worthless. So, question would be then, well, how are we going to stay in the middle of the road? Know that pride is self-exaltation, but true humility is not self-abatement, right? We, we don't have to be, true humility is exalting God through the accomplishments in your life, recognizing without him, I couldn't do anything remarkable, but at the same time, I do have him, so I am pretty remarkable because of him, no, no doubt about it. 1 Corinthians 1.29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. You want to see the presence of God in your life? Well, you're going to have to need to see that he's getting all the glory for all the good things and the works that he's doing through you. If pride is the biggest challenge, then it's going to be one of the hardest things to detect. How do we? How can we see if we have pride in our lives? Because again, you cannot allow the world's definition of pride to infiltrate the church. We think it's the loud mouth, big flashy guy. Hey, milk me over here. I'm the thing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose he talks like that. I don't know. But, but you, you understand what I'm saying. That's the world's definition of somebody that's in pride. Oh, look at that fancy car and, you know, yellow and, you know, the thing. Ah, no, 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 no. That's just the world's definition. The world's definition. Uh, it, it's so surfacy and cheap. Pride's going to destroy your friends. King Saul was so mightily used by God. Pride took it all from him. 2 Samuel 1, 19 to 21, it says, The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen, O mountains of Geboa. Let there be no dew nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. Saul was defeated. But we've seen that the devil cannot defeat us unless he has deceived us. So some form of deception, right? There was a doorway. It got in on Saul. Pretty easy to see when we look back at his life. He opened the doorway for deception through pride. He wasn't always that way, though. He started out very humble. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 17. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? It was all good. It was all good until he thought he had reached some level of achievement and saw himself as something. That's when it began, pride. Now, humility is the only thing that keeps us useful in the kingdom of God. And humility is simply doing what God said to do the way that God said to do it and when he said to do it. It's about submitting to his plans, his purposes and everything. But as pride grows, the anointing decreases. And it's there that we are at risk of losing all that it is that God was doing in our lives. And it's very, very subtle. 
very sneaky. Because I know we can sit here and think, I'm not in pride. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not in pride. Well, how did it sneak up on Saul? He was a good man. He was a God-fearing man, no doubt about it. 1 Samuel 13, 3 and 4, and Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines. That was in Geba, but the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines, and the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Wait a minute. Jonathan attacked the garrison, but Saul's over here saying, it was me. I did it. Thank you. It was me. Insecurity. It's so ugly. I lived through this in the church I previously attended for 20 years. Somebody taking credit for somebody else's victories in the kingdom. Lying to make yourself look better in the eyes of the people. Blowing somebody else's candle out to make yours burn brighter. We all have to deal with insecurities. My old pastor was so worried that people would somehow begin to follow me. I wasn't going anywhere. (laughs) Why would they? But he was so scared that I was, through the amazing testimonies, right, that I was gathering. I'm out ministering and doing stuff, right? I'm out doing stuff, and things were happening. And he was so so messed up that I was gathering this following of people. And he just couldn't have it because he was so insecure. And that was all brought on by many things in the past that were not dealt with. It really had nothing to do with me, so he sacrificed what could have been an amazing relationship for the kingdom of God because he didn't want to work with me because I was getting too much credit for things. He didn't like that. But had he stayed in his lane, done what it was that God was asking him to do, and me stay in mine, do what God asked me to do, boy, we could have worked together for the greater good. And, you know, that's the devil's divisive plan, to keep people separated because he knows we are dangerous when we come together. Why do you think churches can't work together? Not a dang reason that they can't. Pride. Ooh, what if they go down there and they like him better and he's gonna, they're going to take my people? Man, don't even get me started on the my people thing. That's pride. That is pride. My gosh, we could do some amazing things. Right? We're dangerous when we come together. So, uh, inflating the details and little lies here and there and adding yourself into stories that had nothing to do with you. Don't do it. Shut the door, people. How about this? 1 Samuel 13, 8 and 9. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offerings. What do we see? We see that Saul arrogantly tried to assume the office of another man and the anointing of the prophet because he was impatient. And so he falls into this trap. I'm sure we've all seen glimpses uh, into the plans that God has for us. You better make sure you don't become impatient and jump out ahead of God's plan, especially when you know that God is using others to help you with that, right? Samuel was coming, but he just wasn't coming quick enough for old Saul. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. Well, if it wasn't yours to do, it doesn't matter. The other thing is you don't need to help God out by trying to become somebody else instead of just being who you are. Don't try to elevate your own status ahead of God's timing or trying to assume some other anointing that simply doesn't belong to you. Stay in your lane. Recognize your own gifts. Don't try to override somebody else's calling or responsibility or anointing in an attempt to get things to move more quickly for your ministry or what you think should be happening simply because you're impatient. You got to have faith. Wait on God to do it and accept God's timing and his plans. Also, highly regard God's word when it's brought to you. 
You better take it very serious. 1 Samuel 15, 3. Now go attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman and infant and nursing child and ox and sheep and camel and donkey. Now, for one, we know this is a pretty harsh story, pretty hard command by God. Again, we're not going to lean on to our own understanding, right? Don't allow our own human understanding to talk us out of what we know that God has said because we think, well, this doesn't make any sense. So we see this issue as we read on. 1 Samuel 59, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs, and that was all good. And they were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, well, that they destroyed. So under the pressure of trying to be popular with his people, he's going to totally disobey God's commands that came through the prophet. This is a lack of reverence for God's word. Doing what I think is best even though I know exactly what God said to do, and I think I have a better idea. And then watch how pride keeps itself alive here, right? It it begins to transform and morph and change as it's progressing now, right? Started out as a little thing. He could have repented. He could have been like, dang it, I I blew it. I'm sorry, right? Man, I, I, I did. I... I gave in because, I, you know, I mean, I gave in. I, they were asking me, why would you kill all this? It's great. You know, well, because God said, because God said to, and that's the thing. I deal with it here all the time. People question me all the time, trying to pressure me to disobey God. When I say, I know that God said, we're going to do a thing this way. It doesn't make sense. It never makes sense. Of course it doesn't until you see it play out and you're like, gee, God has a pretty good track record. I'm going to obey him. Don't pressure me. When I say something in the church or the ministry or things are going to go a certain way, stop pressuring your pastors to do what just happened to this man right here. It didn't make sense. Why in the world would we kill all this perfectly good animals that we could use and the stuff? I mean, man, this, it doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. But God said, period. God said. He knew exactly what God said, and he thought he had a better idea. Now watch how it's going to keep itself alive and begin to progress now. Instead of just repenting and saying, dang it, it has to be fed. So now what's going to happen? Blame shifting. The prophet prophet has now busted him for his disobedience, and he could have been like, oh my God, I am so sorry. You know what? I'm going to handle it right now. God, I have disobeyed you, and he could have murdered all them stupid animals and got it done right there. Nope. Now look what happens. 1 Samuel 15, 20 and 21. And Saul said to Samuel, well, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and I gone on the mission in which the Lord sent me and I brought back Agak, the king of Amalek, Amalek. I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took the plunder and the sheep and the oxen and the best things, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord, your God in Gilgal. It's the people. They did it. Now he's blame shifting not taking responsibility. So he's going to play this old distraction thing, right? Well, no, 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 look at them. Look at them. Look what they did. Mm -mm. What did you do? God told you. He didn't tell them. He told you to tell them. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, I mean, the woman, the woman, she gave it to me to eat and and, and I did, but she gave it to me. (laughs) Now, the next time you get caught with your pants down, so to speak, get caught up in the consequences of your actions because you disobeyed God's word. You better check to see if you're trying to self-justify your sin and blame shifting because you're going to be taking that same road as old Saul here. And so now it goes to this. You just got busted. You're blaming them. Look how it's going to shift gears again. This pride thing. 
keep trying to cover my tail, just keeps getting uglier and uglier. In 1 Samuel 15, 21, 22, but the people took of the plunder of the sheep and the oxen and the best things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord has such great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. My gosh, man, it's better to obey than sacrifice. So in the Old Testament, we know they had to sacrifice animals for the atonement of sins. But he's saying, well, yeah, sacrifice is great, of course. But obedience is better. You know, because now he's trying to say, well, I mean, I, I took it all so that I could give it to Jesus. You know, I, I, uh, I you know, the Lord told me, uh, like, okay, here's a great example. Just, I'm making this up. Uh, you're out there working on a job. And, and the Lord says, you know what? I want you to cut them a break on your price. I'll bless you for it. I'm trying to bless them. I want you to, I want you to do this. And you don't, right? You don't do it and, and you go ahead and you charge them full price or even a little more maybe. Like, well, I can go ahead and pad this a little bit. And you do it. And then, and then you get busted by the Lord and then you say, well, but I'm tithing off of it. I'm tithing off of it. And that was an extra hundred bucks this week I put in the tithe. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You might as well burn that hundred dollar bill right there plus probably another hundred because of your stupid disobedience. And we could use this, we could go on and on in this. I mean, we could use a, a, a lot of different examples. But do you get where I'm going here? We, we can see this pretty good here as this continued to progress. It got worse and worse. Don't do it. You got to recognize the warning signs. So let me give them to you again. Ask yourselves to be honest now. And I'm serious. I have watched good, God-loving leaders, great pastors, great moves of God in their churches when they were small in their own sight. Right? But I mean, you know, just, just, I mean, here just to serve and, and just loving God, doing it for the kingdom, nothing more, walking in it. It was awesome. I watched these same men lose it all because of pride. And it really does follow this pattern that we just read here. So I'm so insecure in my own identity in Christ that I tend to lie and exaggerate to make myself look better to others. You, you got to ask yourself, Am I putting them down to make myself look better? Do I try to operate in other people's callings and anointings because I'm impatient? Because I think I can stand in the office better than them? I can do it better. Am I quick to obey God's voice and his word and his commands? Or do I just make excuses all the time for doing things the way that I want to do them? When I do get caught and I experience the consequences of my actions, do I begin to blame shift? It's always somebody else's fault. I'm just the victim here. And am I doing the same things, making the same mistakes over and over again? That's pride. If you are experiencing any of these tendencies, then pride may very well be working in you right now. So do something about it right now. Do not allow it to proceed another step, friends. Let me ask you this in closing this one today. Has God ever put you into a position in which you felt very unqualified for and unprepared for? Have you had that thought, uh, God, you may have made a mistake here, <laughs> right? I'm way in over my head on this one. I know for me, having been in ministry for over 20 years, and then him saying, okay, now you're going to pastor a church for the first time. Uh, what the what? Um, I think you got the wrong guy. That's way over my head here, Lord. Guys, there's a reason for this. I had discovered that generally, now this is just my observation, that generally most people do not have a difficulty staying humble in an area of ministry in which they know 
I am not qualified for this in the natural. I'm not gifted for this in the natural. If God has you doing something that you have no natural ability or training or no expertise, you're going to find it much easier to give him the glory for what it is that he's doing in and through you. Now, again, I watched as a certain pastor I knew would always talk about a church that picked somebody else to be their pastor back in the early days of that church when it was first being founded and how he knew they made a mistake because it should have been me. That was my church. And so what did he do? He refused to go to that church. Look, look how stupid this is. You're, you're called to be the pastor of that church, you say, and they choose someone else. And so you're going to take your toys and go home instead of staying there and helping to minister to the people anyway, if you're truly called there, right? And so what? He leaves and refuses to help them, to recognize them, goes to another church in town. Well, eventually that church did fall apart and that pastor left. And he went and he told them, this is my church. That's why it fell apart. It's mine. And there wasn't a Sunday that I can't hardly remember that we were not reminded of whose church it was. It was his. And that pride was just all over him. He built it. He improved it. He did this. He did that. And God wasn't getting the glory in it. It was him. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 27, for simply consider your own call, brethren, Not many of you were considered to be wise according to human estimates and standards. Not many influential and powerful. Not many of high and noble birth. No, for God selected, deliberately chose what in the world is foolish to put the wise to shame and what the world calls weak to put the strong to shame. You think about the apostles. Jesus did not pick them from the scholars of the day. Those that were learned and educated men of the day. When God wanted an ambassador for the Jewish religious establishment, he, sent, he, he didn't send Paul, a guy whose, whose resume would have seemed to make him a perfect candidate for that job. He was very educated. Paul, I mean, he studied with the brains of that day. He knew some stuff. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he, he was the man. Didn't send him, right? Didn't send that guy for the job. He would have been a perfect candidate. He picked Peter, the rough, unlearned fisherman who liked to scrap and fight. And then we see Paul was chosen to go to the barbarians, those Gentiles. God placed both of these men in positions in which they would not be able to lean under their own understanding and educations. Now, of course, listen, God can and will use those things. You shouldn't be ignorant. And if you want to study and do, yeah, of course, that's right. God will use those things that you do have, but never to the extent that it would dare override his presence and his influence in the matter. He's going to be sure that he gets all the glory, people, not you. Not your great ability, not your education, not your connections, not your marketing plans. You better make sure that God is getting all the glory. We should always strive to learn and get better at what we're doing for him, of course. But you need to watch out for pride in that area as it is waiting for you to gain some expertise so it can try to get you to begin to take credit. It's a trap. It is a trap. The trap becomes thinking that you can accomplish something in your own abilities without God. Or it disguises itself like this. Well, I can just do it better myself without all these others trying to do it. I, without all these other, I can do it better. Well, if God chose them to help you, no, you can't. Listen, this is what I deal with right here at the church, trying to train people and, and wait for them to walk into their callings here and watching them do things that I need done and the things that God wants done for the ministry. And I get impatient and I could just get it done already. That's pride. God has called them to be a help. And so I can't because he sees the bigger picture of why they are here 
why they're called to do it. And yes, you may have the natural ability to do something quicker or better at this point. But what did God say? Because we're now robbing them of the ability to learn and eventually, yes, help walk out the plans of God in the ministry. For when, no, that you won't be able to do it. You won't have time to do it. But you see how sneaky this can be? And the other thing is, don't give up trying either. If God called you to help and you're struggling, it's just a learning stage, that's all. If you refuse to step into it and you're trying to bypass all the things that need to be done, well, that's pride in you. There is no skipping steps. Um, And that will not fit into the overall vision of that particular ministry. And you're setting yourself up for the fall. I unfortunately am watching some here in this ministry right now. And I, I hate to talk about it every week, but I'm watching it. I'm watching some in this ministry right here who are in danger of working themselves right out of their call to be here because they are refusing to do what they're asked to do. Pride says, I want the microphone. Pride says, I want to do this. I want to be on the stage. I want to be in praise and worship. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'll just do it myself. These people are lazy. These people can't get it done. Blah, blah, blah. Pride says, I have better ideas and better plans and better ways. And no, I don't want to do it that way. And no, I don't. And and, and I won't do it that way. Well, pride comes before the fall. And I can see him falling. I can see these people falling, making excuses instead of making solutions. No faith whatsoever in any of these particular areas. Being asked to do things because in the end, we see the bigger picture and they don't want to do it. That's pride. That's pride because they don't feel that piece to be particularly important. And what they mean is, what does it matter if I do it? Nobody will see it. Who needs to see it? There are cells in my body right now that I'll never see. There's all kinds of things in my body that I'll never see that if they weren't doing their job, the body is destroyed. Guys, it's all about the body of Christ. It's all about laying pride aside and doing our part. Even if you're a cell and nobody is seeing what you're doing, I promise it's important. God sees it and the overall end result is going to be the same. God's going to get all the glory. But now people are trying to bypass the overall plan of what it is that God is doing in this body. And so how is it to work as one body? Pride is the issue. And man, when pride comes in, strife comes in, contention comes in, and then the Bible says, and where those things are, there's every evil work. Why? It's a doorway. It is a doorway. It's a doorway that doesn't just let in a little thing. It blows the door off the hinges, and it lets in all kinds of nasty. So when the devil tempts you to take credit for all these things, don't do it. At the same time, you don't need to put yourself down either, but don't forget God. And hey, treat everybody the same. You aren't better than anybody. You're no worse than anybody. You need to treat everybody with the same respect and love, but you also need to do the same for yourself. And hey, see if you identify with any of these things that we discussed today. If so, it's a poison in you, friends. It needs to be addressed right away because with pride, hmm. It's right there before the fall. Let us no longer be deceived, friends. Close off this doorway right now. Humility is going to be the key in seeing God's plans and purposes for your life come to fruition. But you know, if you're always the victim, you're never wrong and always right. A better plans, it's always somebody else. Knock 
knock, pride is at the door. Put it away. We don't want no spirit of Saul up in here. Come on, let's stay humble. Let's be able to be used by God so we can see him get all the glory. And I promise you're going to love it. to be more blessed than you ever have, more content with where you are in your life than you ever have known before. I promise. I promise you will. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the new Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. And until next time, to the glory of God, I will be attempting the ridiculous. And you know I'm going to be achieving the miraculous. Miraculous.